Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elia Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first listen. listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, Zarin, you know it's ridiculous? Yeah, Elizabeth Dutton, I do. The fact that... Pete Davidson and Machine Gun Kelly seem to be in a competition to win the role of young Beetlejuice. <laughs> that <Knowledge> is... good. <laughs> what? <laughs> that was Siri just saying knowledge is good. Oh, well, hi, Siri. Yeah, welcome to the show, Siri. Well, well, yeah, that everything that just happened is ridiculous. Part of our new brand partnership. Everything, that is ridiculous. <laughs> Um, the other thing that's ridiculous is posing as a psychologist in order to kite checks and scam coin dealers. Ooh, I like that. I knew you would. I'm Elizabeth Dutton. And joining me today is America's sweetheart, Zarin Burnett. <laughs> and this is Ridiculous Crime, a podcast about absurd and outrageous capers, heists, and cons. It's always 99% murder-free and 100% ridiculous. All right, yes. Zarin. <laughs> Let's first establish that everything is a construct. Uh, what do you mean by that? Privacy, currency, language, race, identity, reality, television, gravity. Uh, okay, gravity's not, okay. not a construct. 
But we all buy into a social agreement that, like, our names are our names, Mm -hmm. money's worth a certain amount, Mm -hmm. you know, we share whatever the definition of a word is. I point at something, I say that's a table, we agree that, yeah. I go, that's not a chair. Right. I got you. So basically you're saying that our social agreements. Yeah, exactly. And so con artists are fascinating to me because they operate outside of that construct, operate. I kind of was like pretending to be Australian. <laughs> operate. Yeah. You got to operate, see? <laughs> and so they do that outside of the construct, but they don't devolve into hurting other people. They don't go that's that far outside of the social oh, construct. Oh, I, I, got, I got you, Jim. So they, they... They just benefit from other people. Yeah. They trick them, they con them, but they don't hurt them physically or right. mentally or emotionally. So there's like, there's, there are rules that even they won't break. Yeah, yeah, in, for the most sense. part. Yeah, for most con artists, yeah. Well, they and they have really good insight into human behavior. And oh, definitely, operators. Like the human behavior and the desires, and it's like sometimes I think that they're even better at it than psychologists or researchers because mm-hmm. it's sort of an intuitive thing with them. Well, it's either intuitive or they have the, they benefit from their knowledge where, you know, it's like it's incentivized for them to get better at it. Yeah, and they are savants of the human condition. Oh, I like that. You like that? I like that. TM, trademark. <laughs> TM, Teller Morrow, trademark. Um, I know, Zarin, that you're interested in con artists. You're just going to drop some Sons of Anarchy on me like that and keep me, welcome, expect me to keep a straight face? Welcome to my world. Oh, man. You are an agent of mayhem. I am. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I know you're interested in con artists, I Zarin. love con artists. It was one of my first interests, and my mother got really disappointed when I was like a nine-year-old boy. And I'm like, Mom, I'm supposed to write a paper for school. I've decided what I want to write about is the mafia. And she's like, what? I'm like, well, the other thing I wanted to write about was con artists. Which one should I write about? She's like, oh, God, this boy's going to be a lot of trouble. <laughs> so, like, you aren't the kid who's like, I want to be an astronaut. Nope, like, not once. I wanted to I be— I want to fleece these guys. Completely. Everybody I thought was awesome wore, like, clothes that they wore to trick other people. I was like, that man's amazing. Look at him. <laughs> So where some kids had like fire trucks, excavators, mm-hmm. your I had like, like seventy two Cadillacs and oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> no idea I would like ask my mom for like money so I could go and play three card Monty I'm like there's a three card Monty game mom give me no. like five bucks I want to see how this guy operates she's like you're just gonna lose it I'm like yeah but I want to see how he does it wow yeah I was like dedicated to the like underworld crime scene and look at you now I know look at me now chat and crime maximizing on that knowledge so good. I want to tell you about a con artist with a heart of gold. The best kind. Mm -hmm. Um, He's sort of a con artist with a heart of gold. but uh, Which part? Sort of a con artist or sort of have a heart of gold? Sort of has a heart of gold. I kind (laughs) of guessed that. uh, He's a con artist who can spin even getting caught into something good. That's pretty much, I think, the ground level, entry level for the con artist. is like, look, I can spin this. Oh, yeah. Completely. Now... I want you to imagine something. Hmm. Say I should picture it? I would say, yeah, let's just say picture it. Okay. Picture it. My eyes are closed. A small town. It's called Colony, New York. It's a suburb of Albany. And it's late October, 1989. So the A's have won the World Series. (laughs) Overcoming the Loma Prieta quake and destroying the Giants is... All is now right in the world. And getting back from that uh, terrible Kirk Gibson home run in 88. Yeah, we don't talk about that. Oh, I'm sorry. Oops. Yeah. We're talking Bash Brothers, baby. (laughs) So it's late October 1989. There's this detective named Martin Sixzik. Okay, good name. 
And he pulls into the parking lot in front of Joffrey Oriental Rugs in Colony, New York, Albany suburb. The store owner has contacted the local police because a customer made off with two high-end rugs worth more than $22,000. Damn. Right? Story goes like this. There's this local psychologist. His name is Dr. Alfred P. Evans. Dr. Fred Evans. Yeah. Al. Fred. I don't know. Whatever. You can call me Al. Dr. Evans. He is very formal, Dr. Evans. <laughs> so he comes into the shop a number of times over the last few months. Mm-hmm. Um, he's new to the area. He's sort of in the process of setting up his home and his office. First time he comes into this rug shop, he admires really lovely rugs. He makes an arrangement with the shop owner to borrow some of them and see how they look in his house and if his wife likes them. Oh, you got, you got to yeah. make sure that the people in your home like what you bring into right. it. And so I like that he's just like, I really like those. I want to put down some serious coin. Can I just leave them in my house for a little bit? I guess that's what you do. I don't know. I don't, I don't buy expensive rugs. Well, business, I mean, from what I've, I listened to a lot of old radio shows, and uh, from what I can tell from the old radio shows, business used to be a little different in terms of like, here, take it, try it, see if you like it, and then come back if you don't. Like, there's yeah. a lot more of well, that, like, small business. small business, exactly. We, yeah. At the time when it wasn't like, um, I don't want to say anonymous, but you knew the person who gave you the rug and you knew where they lived, so it was a little bit more totally. responsibility. Yeah, you're not walking into Ikea and be like, exactly. can give I get, me a rug. The, come give on. this baby a test drive? Well, and I think, too, it's like, this guy, though, they don't know him. He's new in town, but he's Dr. Evans. So they just extend a certain level. Yeah, because you. he's, you know, um, this guy, he comes across super friendly, pleasant, really personable. Mm-hmm. Um, shop owner's like, yeah, test him out. Uh, let, let me know what your wife thinks. So he brings him back and it's like, you know, she's not quite happy with him. It doesn't really match what she's looking for. Let me try a couple more. <laughs> and then, But then he just stops in, you know, on the regular just to say hi. On the last visit that he made, he looks around some more and he picks out one of the most expensive rugs in the store. And good, this, good eye. Good eye, exactly. Uh, and the guy, you know, the shop owner feels like he knows him. So he says, yeah, here, take this and then um, I'll throw in another $5,000 rug with it. And this isn't to like test drive. He says, I'm going to buy him. Okay. I mean, dang, right? Like. Why is he throwing in a five grand rug on top of this? And he's not charging him for that? That's just like, a, I like you. I'm going to throw, throw that in because you bought the expensive right. rug. He's I can't like, move you, to the rest of these people. You bought an $18,000 rug. I'm going to... I'll throw in the five yeah. for free. Okay. So Evans writes a check for the rugs, <laughs> goes on his way. It's the last the store owner sees of him. <laughs> exactly. And of course, the check bounces. Like a rubber ball. <laughs> exactly. So now Detective Sixik is in the store and he's listening to the owner just explain this whole thing. And the owner's just kicking himself. Like, how did I not see this? Um, Sixik says, you know, you ever seen um, the Mrs. Evans? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and Sixik's not surprised by the answer because mm-hmm. he's heard this story. All over town. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. He's, Dr. Four, Evans getting busy. Yeah. Four months earlier, Dr. Evans arrived in Colony, New York. This is a small town. Yeah. Too. Well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's like I said, it's a suburb of Albany, so that kind of bleeds into it, but it's yeah, a but very Albany ain't small that big. community. I mean, yeah. yeah, that's very true. So he's living at the time an hour and a half away in Springfield, Massachusetts. My sister used to live there. I really? know that town. Yeah. Does she know Dr. Evans? No, but the, the grandkids. Oh, no, okay. Yeah. So he sets up his office in uh, downtown Albany mm-hmm. and hires his secretary, hangs diplomas on the wall, never sees a patient. What does he do with his time? 
Well, he cruises around Albany and Colony, and he has a new Corvette. <laughs> so that that's like I a like thing about him. If you're going to do it, do it in a Chevy. What's Dr. Evans like? Well, he has a new Corvette. <laughs> He's just palling around. He's making buddies everywhere he goes. He goes to North Star Bank, mm-hmm. opens a checking account okay. with 160 bucks. I don't know. Okay. Whatever. Um, he's befriending all these local businessmen. He's going and he's dropping cash in stores. Like he's sure. making small purchases. You got to spend money to make money. Mm-hmm. And he, when he goes and he buys like a little thing, like, you know, a bracelet somewhere, mm-hmm. then he start. but he talks up to the store owner about bigger purchases. Yes. Oh, but you know what? I really like that Rolex. Let me think about, let me check with my wife. See Con what she man says. move. I like it. Yeah. He's jewelry stores, coin shops, oriental rug shops, all these things. So one day he goes into the bank and he deposits two checks totaling $53,000 into his checking account. Okay. And the checks are from his old checking account in Cincinnati that's under another name. The bank or him? <laughs> the checking account was oh, okay. under another okay, his so other name, yeah. Okay. And but the problem is there's no Cincinnati bank account anymore. It's already been closed down, but he has the checks from it and hmm. he's writing a check. And he he writes those, goes on a spending spree. So And they don't have like check write systems. They won't know until no. they send the check to Cincinnati. Right. And he's also pulled some cash out because he's palled up to the tellers. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. you know, they're oh, we know him. He's a local doctor. Yeah, he's really charming. Dr. Evans. Right. So he takes a check from that North Star account and he buys forty one thousand dollars worth of computer equipment from the Sears Computer Center. Oh boy. <laughs> That's okay. a lot, right? That's a good deal. He's got plans is he, what I'm thinking. He said, he tells them, like, what are you going to do? It's like 10 laptops or something. He says, I'm going to be doing some research on the prison system. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> exactly. Is he planning on busting people out? Like, <laughs> how, to, you... how to avoid the prison system. <laughs> so, But also, it's like doing research. This is pre-internet for the public. Yeah, exactly. So what's he going to do? Just play Oregon Trail until the road He's runs out? He's just making spreadsheets? Like... He's just... He's hauling through Excel spreadsheets like nobody's <laughs> business. He writes a $51,000 check for a four and a half carat diamond at a local jewelry store. As one does. I mean, what day goes by that we don't do those sort of things? He cuts a check for thirty-one grand for some other just like assorted gold jewelry. This town. Toe rings. When he got there, they must have all thought like, oh man, I'm making out. And he's They're like, like yeah. one week later, I'm gone, y'all. <laughs> He tricked a coin dealer into taking a check for over $31,000 in exchange for 80 maple leaf coins. Wait, the maple leaf, those are the gold ones? Yeah, they're gold. Okay. Maple leaf gold coins. Wow. Coin dealer says Evans would have, he says to him, like, you know, I'm going to have to wait until your check clears, you know, Mm -hmm. to give you these coins. Evans is like, no problem. And he's just chatting up everyone in the coin shop and the dealer. Like, he has the, he'd set the coins on the counter mm-hmm. and Evans pulls out the check and uh, the dealer goes down to the other end of the store to help someone and the customer that Evans is chumming up to they're chatting he says look you know because that customer hadn't heard the whole thing about he got to wait till the check clears so he's like look I got to get back to the hospital I'm going to get can you give him this check signs it hands it over takes the coins bounces out <laughs> And off he goes. I've got to get back to the hospital. Oh, oh, he's like my pager. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's Detective Sixic at the rug shop. He's got all these local merchants who are just like been screwed by this doctor. Doctor's not in his office, nowhere to be found. There's all this stuff. Wife, 
No one's ever seen her. Mm-hmm. Sick Sick knows a con artist when he sees one. Or when he hears about one. (laughs) (laughs) He also knows that a con that's this swift and Mm -hmm. strategic is not going to be a one-off. So Evan's messed with the wrong Sick Sick. (laughs) So let's take an ad break. And when we get back, I'll let you know what the good detective did next. rant for a sec please pay apps are way too public what happened some rando hearted a payment from five months ago and i realized people can see my entire history who i'm paying like full names it's super weird yeah it's weird how are you paying your friends then apple cash it's all in messages you can literally send cash like a text and it stays between friends random people can't see it did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. As you know, the world can be a dangerous and unpredictable place. With every crime I've studied, I've learned one thing. Your best line of defense is your vigilance and preparation. You don't want to worry. You just want peace of mind. That's why I recommend Simply Safe Home Security. For every ridiculous robbery and theft we talk about, it's pretty obvious the crimes could be avoided with a solid security system. A good home security system keeps people prepared and aware. Simply Safe is that system. It was named Best Home Security Systems 2024 by U.S. News and World Report. And it doesn't just protect your home from crime, it also alerts you to fire, floods, and other emergencies. They offer sensors and cameras backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. There are no contracts, and there's a 60-day money-back guarantee. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash ridiculouscrime. That's simplysafe.com slash ridiculouscrime. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on 
you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So when we left off, Detective Sigzik was faced with a bunch of crimes in Colony, New York, a suburb of Albany. Mm-hmm. There's this man, Dr. Alfred Evans, comes to town, sets up a psychologist practice. And remember, he never saw any patients. And we never saw his wife. And we never saw his wife. He made pals, mm-hmm. spent a little cash. In a two-day period, he makes fake deposits uh, at the bank and writes bad checks for more than... $148,000 worth of stuff. I was wondering. I'm sitting here trying to do like the math in my head from what I'll you said, but I, I couldn't keep them all I'll in my head. I'll do it for you. So thank you. 148. Dang. Then he's gone. So Sixik knows that, you know, someone had to have some experience to pull this off. Mm-hmm. And that it couldn't be just a local crime. It's not like a local guy who's like, I know what I'm going to do, you know? Oh, yeah. And this isn't also like somebody who's like, I'm blowing this town. Like, this is going to be my road money. This right. is not that movie. Yeah. Either. So... Sicklick had heard of this program called Maglochlin. I'm going to say what again? It's M-A-G-L-O-C-L-E-N, Maglochlin. Does that stand for something or is that a word? It's the Middle Atlantic Great Lakes Organized Crime Law Enforcement Network. (laughs) Someone's like, ah, we got this new task force. We're going to call it Maglochlin. They're like, you guys, there's this new thing called... Acronyms. Yeah, exactly. You, you can, can I'm going to push them. it. I'm redlining on the acronym <laughs> here. And what that is, is it's what's called an RISS. I don't know what that God is. God bless an acronym. It's a regionally informa- a regional information sharing system. Okay. Okay. And so basically a network of cops. Completely. Okay. It's a network for um, law enforcement agencies, local, state, federal, tribal, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. In, and in this case for McLaughlin. <laughs> It's Delaware, Indiana, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, District of Columbia. That's an odd mix. It's like kind of like the Del Marva area and then the Great Lakes. Yeah, it's a weird little, but you know, there are six of these that in the nation, they divide the country up into six sections. Oh, interesting. And like the Texas one's gigantic, it covers yeah, well, most of yeah. the South and stuff. So they share information and they track criminal activity and trends, okay. um, which is, you know, it's a good to have that information sharing. You always hear the stories of like jurisdictions not sharing information. Yeah, that was, so. yeah it's been a big problem. So Sigzik, mm-hmm. he puts his case analysis into McLaughlin and then um, it, po- you know, it starts processing it. He mm-hmm. takes everything that happened in Colony with Dr. Evans. Um, the system spits out 12 similar cases and they start in Asheville, North Carolina in 1987. In every single case, the guy comes into town as a psychologist, <laughs> sets up an office, hires a secretary, gets an answering service, puts fake diplomas on the wall, and, like, would spend a couple of months making friends, palling around, spending a little money, exactly like he did in Colin. Mm-hmm. In each case, he also bought a bunch of computer equipment, and sometimes he would take out classified ads trying to flip that computer equipment. I was wondering if it was for something or if it was just good value for him. So yeah, he knows something the rest don't know. Okay. Right. And so he's he's getting, you know, all this expensive computer equipment and then flipping it around. Mm-hmm. 
What do you think it was like to be the secretary? That's my question. A lot of reading time. <laughs> he would hire him from local employment agencies. So they show up. He has them sit at like the front desk mm-hmm. at the office. I'm sure there's like filing cabinets. Are they empty? <laughs> just blank paper. Stapler with no staples. I mean, I mean, I'm kind of just based on the the position and the time. I'm guessing it's a young woman he hires, right? Yeah. I mean, usually unless you're really rich and you're traveling on ocean liners, you don't have a male secretary. Right. So she just sits there all day and does what? Like, does the phone ever ring? Probably. Yeah, I'm probably guessing not. Is it weird for her that there are no patients coming in? Once again, probably guessing not. She She's like, oh, this is a great does job. Does she think it's a drug front? Well, you know, there you go. That's a consideration. Is How smart then, is she? Is she like, I have lucked into the absolute easiest three-month secretary gig ever? <laughs> I think she saved the three-month part. Yes. She's like, <laughs> I've, looked, I've lucked into the easiest secretary gig ever. Well, and then did she ever get paid? Like, I'm guessing no. Yeah. So <laughs> Just, is he supposed to, I suppose in those cases, he's supposed to pay the agency well, he probably paid her, you know, the initial mm-hmm. two weeks and then the second two weeks, the third two weeks, the fourth two weeks maybe. And then after that, yeah. he's going to get a little questionable. Right. But those are so a lot she probably of... got paid for two months, yeah. maybe two and a half months. Two months of just sitting there doing the crossword. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. She got time to invest in her. Exactly. I, I still have a lot of questions about that. Yeah, I do too. Um, anyway, con artist, he hits up cities in North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, California, Nevada, Massachusetts, Maine. He's, he's everywhere. Now, I'm not trying to be judgmental, and I'm not trying to disparage these states, but I often find it interesting when a con man or a con artist decides like, oh, these are the states I'm going to hit. And I look at the list and I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. But here's, here's what's curious with this is that some of the places that he hits, like in North Carolina, it was in Asheville. Mm-hmm. And that's a college town mm-hmm. yeah. and now it's and a big theater town very art mm-hmm. you know artsy and artsy town um with people who would you know think that they were more progressive mm-hmm. and intellectual and georgia was in athens another also college, college town, town. Yep. so he's kind of you can see like a little trend i don't know where he was in the other places he did go his before he got to colony he was in cincinnati and Ohio. in nevada reno was a college town so you know. <laughs> we say loosely um <laughs> so you he goes to he's in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. We know that's where he was before he got to Colony. And um that was back in eighty six. He shows up in Cincinnati calling himself Dr. John Anderson. Dr. Anderson. Right? That's what I kept thinking. <laughs> so he runs his con there with the office and the diploma and the friend-making, and he really chums up with this guy, Michael Wills, a local uh, coin dealer. Okay. Okay. So he talks to him a lot about buying large quantities of gold coins. <laughs> who, who doesn't? You know, if you're going to chat up a coin dealer, it's going to be like, if we're pushing gold, what kind of weight could we get around here? I'm curious about buying a lot of gold from you. Huge. Yeah. One. That, I'm talking tonnage. You know, like I want boatloads of gold coming in. <laughs> so he's, you know, he just goes and chats with them. Mm-hmm. Why this isn't suspicious to the coin dealer of this guy I've never met before comes in, introduces himself. And just wants to talk about... I'm guessing he's lonely. He's a coin dealer. So maybe there are not a lot of people who are coming in going like in 1986, hey, man, I got this double eagle. What's it worth? (laughs) Because he wants to butter him up, though. So Anderson, Dr. Anderson, Dr. Evans, Mm -hmm. um, he asks Wills to speak at a physician's investing group at the Children's Hospital where he supposedly works. (laughs) So these imaginary doctors at the <laughs> Children's Hospital are going to want to hear what a coin dealer has to say about investing in right. the future of gold? Right. Okay. Right. All right. And this guy goes for this. 
Yeah. And yet no doctor has ever come in and talked to him prior. He's like, no, right. this is a big growth area, man. These doctors, they would be into gold and silver. What else you got? Right. You got platinum? They love that stuff. Well, I mean, don't you think that as Evans slash Anderson is, is buttering up Wills, he's like, God, you know so much about investing. Mm-hmm. You should come and talk. And Wills is thinking, finally. I'm being appreciated. Someone appreciates this mm-hmm. knowledge that I have to share. This, honestly, when, when I was a young man learning about con artists, it taught me a lot about humans and what motivates them because con artists get this. And the short part of con artists is it's short for confidence. Yep. So they will play on a person's confidence and they will let you believe that like, oh, I am interesting. Oh, I am a really knowledgeable person. And hey, I got good ideas. The person's like, oh, yeah, you do. Oh, yeah. totally. You should meet my imaginary doctors at this children's hospital. <laughs> well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, I'm going to break it to you. There's no investing group. What? I am I shocked. Like, Please take a picture of my face so I can see what I look like when I am shocked. <laughs> Evans slash Anderson winds up ordering 30 grand worth of gold coins from Wills. <laughs> and Wills is like, that's great. I'm so glad that we're in business together. I'm going to bring those coins to the hospital to, you know, to give them to you in two days' time when I do my speaking engagement to your investor group. So uh, let me meet you out front, and then we'll get you parked, and <laughs> oh, then... Oh, and Evans is like, great. Yeah, come speak to the investor group and uh, bring the coins. It's perfect. So two days later, Will shows up at the hospital bright and early. Evans slash Anderson meets him at the entrance, Takes him to a private room where Wills can hand him the coins. <laughs> he does the thing. He meets him at the entrance. See, yeah. I watched enough of like. He oh, actually you know. was. He let him get in the building. Yeah, this is like a Rockford Files plot. The Evans was in the elevator, mm-hmm. and Wills goes to get. In. He's like, "Oh, hey." No, this literally is like Rockford Files right. plots. Like they, like I've watched <laughs> how Connor just do it. They stand in the building and they come out like they're talking to somebody. And they're that's like, what oh, he did. Yeah. That's what he did, because then he was like, all right, catch you later to mm-hmm. some doctors who yeah. were like, all right. That literally, yeah, this is amazing. He so, must watch the same Rockford Files I, I do. Does. So Evans slash Anderson, he gets Wills in this room, gets the coins from him. He's mm-hmm. like, you know, they let me use a safe upstairs in the hospital. So I'm going to go put these coins in the safe. If you could just sit tight. Oh, man. BRB. Going to be right back. So Wills is like, all right. Cool. And he sits there. Yeah. He's like, did I a coffee machine? I can get uh, maybe a little hot, hot java? <laughs> and he keeps waiting. Oh, yeah. And he's sitting there. And then he finally gets tired of waiting. As the seasons change. <laughs> so he goes up to a desk nurse and says, can you page Dr. Anderson? And she says, don't you see? Dr. Anderson's the mother. <laughs> no, there's no Dr. Anderson. Yeah, she's like, what are you talking about, Dr. Anderson? Dr. Yeah. Who now? Dr. Who now on the what's it? What's his bucket? Dr. Anderson. No, we don't have one named that. And so from there, the phony doctor takes off to Colony. And I'm out. And I'm out. So in Colony, as Dr. Evans, he deposited the checks from Dr. Anderson in Cincinnati, (laughs) plus the mother from a Dr. Miller. Oh, you're going to mix it up, you know. And he gets to know the tellers. Like I said, they get... They they trust him. They have have confidence in him. One question. The checks, they're from a Dr. Miller. Uh Uh-huh. So he's taking the money out of the one account that he has it going into yeah. and then moving it. Okay. Yeah. I'm just trying to ch- keep yeah. up with this. So he, they give him cash before the larger checks are clearing because mm-hmm. they're like, oh, he's a doctor. Yeah. And, you of know. course, yeah. But the buck stopped in colony with old Sigzik. Sigzik had the entire region aware of this guy now. Like, because he's plugged him into the McLaughlin yeah. group. <laughs> Come with it, Sigzik. <laughs> the McLaughlin group now, it's over. 
Um, Sixik was tireless in tracking this guy. Two years. Two years he spent mm-hmm. tracing where he had been and then finding new instances where he would pop up. And it was like he was always like two weeks behind him. <laughs> so he finds out that he called himself Dr. Evans, Dr. Anderson, Dr. Miller, Dr. Brown. He has a ton of bank accounts. There's all like just all these items that he has essentially stolen over the years. This feels like like a Tom Hanks movie. Like he's doc, he's sick sick. <laughs> just wait. Okay. <laughs> so on October 30th, 1991, the TV show Unsolved Mysteries did a segment on the con artist. Okay. And the part where Wills gets ditched in the room in the basement of the hospital is really funny. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Unsolved Mysteries, I'll check it. because the actual Mike Wills plays himself in the reenactment. That is priceless. Oh, yeah. Jackie Robinson's his own life story? Completely, completely. He talks about how he fell for everything because the guy said he was a doctor and he was so sure of himself. He was confident. There it is. There it is. And um, and he's just so honest and transparent about how he got conned. Yeah, also, I, I, not that I feel bad. But he's a but good I, actor, too. Oh, is that's good for him. Really <laughs> Maybe he has a future there. <laughs> the best part is when he's just, like, sitting in the room by himself. Yeah, I thought just about to say, I feel like this guy has some loneliness issues. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I bet he's a really good and kind and oh, decent yeah. guy, too. That's yeah. the damn shame of it all. Completely. And so the episode showed photos of the guy and listed all the aliases, mm-hmm. and it paid off. Nice. Right? Look at y'all. January 20th, 1992. Roanoke, Virginia. Imagine it. <laughs> I'd rather not. Okay. Can I so take a pass? The, the FBI office there gets a tip that there's a man calling himself Dr. Alfred P. P. Evans. Hadn't switched up the name. That's the big mistake. Staying at the local Days Inn. I bet he was doing it because he hadn't cleared the money yet. He needed the old identity. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, and I, he go. was using other people's. He was taking social security numbers from... Uh, People in retirement homes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then some of them he was using his actual social security number, and yeah, and you can also well, I'm not going to tell people <laughs> there are other ways to get social security numbers. <laughs> they have to pay nine ninety five yeah. for you to get in this booklet. Let's just say it involves uh, children. Yeah, that's yeah. So the feds swoop in and they pick him up at the Days Inn Motel, mm-hmm. and he had a ton of evidence on him. So they arrest him and they run his prints. And they get a hit. Oh, he didn't like iron off his prints? Uh-uh. Not a professional. They knew this guy's name and his story. Okay. Now, let's take a break. When we get back, I'm going to tell you about a man named Michael Sabo. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. So who is Michael Sabo? Peter Sabo's brother. Yes. Michael John Sabo. Was that close? No. Damn. Was born in 1945. I didn't know there was going to be a quiz. You haven't been taking notes? No. Can we talk about Chris Sabo? I know about him. I don't know this whole Michael Sabo. The, the 90, 1990 Reds, like that mm-hmm. you can quiz, quiz me on. No? Right. But I'm trying to I'm trying to educate you about Michael Sabo. Can I educate you about Norm Charlton and his no. bad haircuts? No. Okay, fine. You go. 
<laughs> Michael Sabo, born in 1945 in Pennsylvania. Great state. Right? At some point in the 70s, he get, he's found guilty of interstate transportation of forged securities, stocks, and bonds. <laughs> now, I just want to know, did he forge securities, forge stocks, and forge all bonds? Of them. He's just like, I'm all about it. He's all, because I got a pants full of bearer bonds. <laughs> <laughs> what are the bearer bonds? Like, has anyone ever actually seen a bearer bond? Ever since Die Hard, I've always wanted to know what a damn bearer, bearer bond, bond is. Well, Everyone's like, oh, these are some. German bearer bonds. I'm like, I don't think those are real. <laughs> I've never seen these on Rockford Files. It just sounds so good. Doesn't it sound so official? <laughs> it does. Um, so he gets sentenced to eight years at Allenwood Federal Prison Camp in Pennsylvania. Good, good, good prison. Are you familiar with the various types of federal facilities? Actually, I am because of just, it doesn't matter. But go on. <laughs> I'm intimately familiar with them. Oh, that's true. You facilities. actually have worked. You know? I used to get out on a Monday night and go right back in the next day. Dang. Yeah. I taught college courses at a federal prison. And it was by far the best teaching experience of my life. Oh, best I students I ever had. I totally can see that. Um, where I taught, the facility was split into two parts. There was the yard mm-hmm. and the camp. Mm-hmm. The yard is like your traditional notion of a prison. It's a fortress. Yeah. And um, cell blocks. Mm-hmm. You had to go through those man trap security doorways, the mm-hmm. double things, gun towers. Like I'd go in, be signed in at the front. Go through security, get escorted across the yard to the education building, teach my class, get escorted back through the yard to the front entrance, sign out, head home. Super tight regulation on everything. I couldn't have any metal at all in any of my clothing. So no underwire bras? Nope. No, like, shoelaces with metal laces? Well, I had the metal shoelaces. <laughs> I had to weld myself in and out of my shoes every day. But, <laughs> well, there were, like, colors you couldn't wear. I used to wear a lot of olive green, and you can't oh, wear it because right. they you, wear yeah. olive. Some mm-hmm. of the inmates are wearing olive, and so I just, you know— Blend like, right why in. couldn't it be orange? I don't wear a lot of orange. Right, exactly. So everything's super controlled. No cell phones or electronics. There was a big thing about Apple watches when I was there because oh, right. you couldn't just have that as your watch. But we didn't have a watch, uh, clock in the classroom, so I had to hmm. had to keep my watch on. Um, anyhow, so that's where I taught night classes was in the yard. That's cool. Now, the classes during the day were at a different student cohort, but at the same location. Mm-hmm. And that was in the camp, which was like across the parking lot from Lower the main. security and... Yeah. Okay. So it's separate from the fortress area. And in those days, like, I drove up to the camp building, parked, got out. The person managing the education department that day would come out, let me into the building. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't get security, nothing. Hmm. And then they would go back to their office and I would just, like, cruise down the hall to my classroom. Someone would be, like, in the art room playing the guitar. I'd be like, hey, what's up? So this is, like, the white-collar section of the prison? Yeah, well, they would get in there because of, like, whichever crime, like, if they had a, you know, milder crime, I suppose, but then also good... Without enhancements, I imagine? Yeah, no enhancements, and good good behavior, Uh and so they become, like, a trustee. Okay, okay. And the inmates at the camp all had jobs, so, like, cooking in the main building they did Mm -hmm. landscaping that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. and there was no giant fence around the whole thing so it's possible for these guys to just like walk away i suppose if they wanted to i imagine though this is this is in the carolinas so this is surrounding by the woods (laughs) yeah and so it's thick woods all around it and there's like a road that goes circles the whole property Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and continuously all day long there's a pickup truck with two dudes with shotguns in it circling around oh like cool hand luke style yeah that keeps you from just strolling off i had um 
had a student who arranged a little rendezvous with a lady in the woods and got caught. Ooh la la. Yeah. And so they put him in solitary and then just transferred him to another facility. I but, hope it was worth it. <laughs> who knows? So, but yeah, he he went out into the woods, but he didn't he didn't leave completely. <laughs> um, like, why not go all the way? Right? If you're gonna just break out, I break mean, for the highway. He's like, look, I just needed to get into something, and I'll be good. <laughs> exactly, and I'll pop back up. So Sabo was at the camp part of the prison, and he uh-huh. had a lot of opportunities to bounce out. And in 1979, he took one. I'm guessing he did. Yeah, just strolled. He was on the run for 13 years. (laughs) Yes, my man. 13 years. And in those 13 years, he did the following. All right, hit me with it. He posed not just as a doctor and psychologist, but also as an airline pilot. Oh, God. When he was on a flight from New York to Miami, he he said he was an airline pilot and sat behind the controls of a 727-100 series jet with 120 people on board. I pray to God he was not the only pilot. (laughs) <laughs> we couldn't like, have he, he, like I know that usually they're off and they're he, running on autopilot, so he probably didn't have to do much yeah. other than land or take he off. Just sat but I'm there really and hoping. Drank coffee was... and made small talk. Yeah. He, it's like, oh, is it lasagna or steak on the flight today? <laughs> he the like inflatable pilot popped up. Exactly, I'm having total like airplane. I know. I just so um, he had uniforms for like TWA, Delta, United I mean, that he would wear. I like his commitment. It was a good way to gain confidence and trust. You know, you dress as a pilot. <laughs> I thought he meant it's a good way to gain confidence. Like I got, <laughs> For himself. I got this uniform. I feel like more of a man. So you know, was, just, he was feeling really insecure and untethered yeah. after he fled just, the prison camp. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, I don't know who I am. I just want to be I need proud a role. of me. I need somewhere in society to be. I'm a captain now. I'm the captain now. <laughs> I'm worth something. Yeah, no, so that other people would be confident in Okay, him. gotcha. Gain their trust. Right, con man, got it. He delivered a baby while acting <laughs> as a doctor in a Texas hospital. <laughs> you got to set me up on that. He just <laughs> jumps right into it. He's, he's in a book at a room delivering babies. Yeah, okay. and I like to imagine he walks down the hall, hears the lady screaming, goes in with like a catcher's Takes off mitt. his pilot's uniform. Yeah, it's in a pilot's <laughs> uniform with a coat, white coat over yeah, it. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to get some scrubs. Just Takes the catcher's mitt, grabs the baby. <laughs> And is like high five someone and then tosses it to the nurse and keeps walking. Oh, dude, my sister had a kid, her second kid, and the kid came out and there was a nurse there who's like a friend of the family who was in the room. And the kid came out so fast because I mean, my sister's pretty strong. So maybe she, maybe she put a little English on it. So she squeezed <laughs> that kid out. And the nurse is like supposed to like catch the kid. The nurse faints. This is like a nurse who's like a nurse for 20 something years and basically almost has the baby drop. Luckily, the baby like basically lands on her as she faints. Wow. Yeah, right. Hmm, I wonder what else was going on in the nurse's life. I do, too. It's <laughs> okay. So he delivers the baby, and it winked at him. <laughs> and then he won a case while impersonating an attorney in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I mean, who hasn't done that? Of course. He became a deputy sheriff in a South Carolina jail six weeks after he escaped from the federal prison in Pennsylvania. <laughs> that is amazing on two levels. One, he escaped a federal prison. And then his thought is, you know what? I should probably become a cop. And I should, well, at least a fake They're cop. Just work through some I'll of go these back issues. into a jail. They would never look for me there. He puts the pilot's uniform on and then the like <laughs> South Carolina jail deputy uniform on top of that. So he has that inner confidence. Exactly. But he's like, I got to work through Personal these esteem, issues first. Social esteem. He posed as an army colonel and a navy commander. Now he At had the been same in time, the just like half a uniform, ha- split down the middle, like those people who are fans of two teams. Yeah, exactly. When their parents on have, yeah. they have kids on either team. He the will, front of the uniforms navy. He had been in the army, like when he was younger. Mm-hmm. 
but that doesn't mean he can pretend to be a colonel no. or a Navy commander. He knows some of the language. He pretended to be a gold and diamond dealer. Well, this one I do believe because yeah. he spent a lot of time with the... He got executive status for blue chip companies while he was employed as a mortgage loan officer for Lincoln Savings and Loan. Lincoln Savings and Loan, little known fun fact, is a big part of the Savings and Loan disaster. It's Michael Milken and all. Yeah. Exactly. Which is like a perfect, like, of course he's at yeah, Lincoln he's like, Savings. I'm going to go to birds of a feather flocking together. <laughs> <laughs> so he also went to Florida and got eight different plastic surgery procedures done. Oh, wow. He had facelift, cheek implants. Like, he rearranged his whole visit. Wow. So he's like, you know, one of those, like, old Robert Mitchum movies. Uh He's like, oh, I've got the total thing. I'm now a new person. Oh, yeah. And then it's like, he probably went and got, like, one of those free, what do they call that when the pilot flies? Or what is it? Deadheading. Deadheading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's got a face wrapped in gauze, and he's mm-hmm. got the whole pilot uniform with <laughs> He looks hat. like the Invisible Man, but in a pilot's uniform. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what happened? He's like, I can't talk I can't about it. We lost one in Macho Grande. <laughs> I have a drinking problem. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he's, he's all jazzed up on his face. Mm-hmm. And he was quoted as saying, I never used force on anybody. My personality and non-criminal look helped me get in the, in the door a lot. The only time I ever had a gun in my hand was when I was in the military. I bought suits and tried to play that role. Yeah. 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 Well, I'll give it to him. So, 1992. Good year. He's arrested by the FBI in Virginia. Okay. And he was convicted of grand larceny for the Colony New York stuff. He got Oh, they catch up to him. Oh, yeah. No, they said the FBI yeah. gets him. Yeah. But, I mean, like, they catch up to him. Prince. They're like, oh, brother, we got you on a Well, they all ran his prints, and then they had, like, you know, they, they were able to connect the dots, and he had evidence on him. So he gets two to six years for the stuff in Colony that Sigzik caught him on. Okay. He, for that, he goes to New York's Sullivan Correctional Facility. Maximum security. And there he meets David, son of Sam Berkowitz. I was about to say, I I thought I remembered hearing Sullivan Correctional Facilities Mm -hmm. where they sent some of the the harder cases. Yeah, and that's where he goes. But it's also because it's like, well, we know this guy's he's a floater. He'll take off. So we're going (laughs) to lock him in. So he pleads guilty to the original prison escape and does some time for that, 27 months for that. He gets convicted of bank fraud, forgery, grand larceny, identity theft in five different states. Did the fashion police come after him, too? I mean, everybody's hitting him. Well, those uniforms look sharp, so no. (laughs) And he serves his time in those five states in federal and state lockups, and he's released in October of 2009. Whoa. So he was spent, like— all of the late 90s and early aughts yeah. behind bars. He so missed out He on, missed on a lot of good fun. Mm-hmm. And then he moves to Kentucky and sells cars. As one Goes does. straight. You know, and he said, like, you know, straight. he had to go and get, he had to pay taxes and get credit cards in his own name. And when he went to the Social Security office to get everything ironed out, they had like five different names associated <laughs> with his social security number, and so he had to, he had went through all of that. Like, Look, no, I this, paid that my happens. dues. Yeah, I made a mistake <laughs> once. That happens. Okay. So he may not have been a con artist in the legal sense of the word after that, but he still was a savant of the human condition. <laughs> so he starts. The first thing he does, he's selling cars at a car dealership, okay. but he starts two companies: American Identity Theft Recovery. 
and Identity Theft Watch. As a wolf, let me tell you how to keep your sheep safe. Precisely. He said he did this, but there's no record of these companies. (laughs) So I don't know if he was like, let me give me your social security number and I'll go see if anyone else has it. Be right back. Wait in this hospital (laughs) private room. I'm going to go check all your personal information and the bank information you gave me. Thank you for that, by the way. And he said, you know, that my goal is to save others from people like me. And I don't know how that shook out for him. (laughs) Then the next company he starts is a company called Prison Consultants of America. Go with what you know, you know? Yeah, exactly. The website for it isn't active anymore, but you can find it in the archive. And um, he dissolved that company a year later, but this is how he sold his services. I'm going to give you some quotes here. Oh, hit me with them. He said that his time served, quote, left him with an intimate understanding of the strategies required to navigate the federal prison system as well as the critical need for support when facing incarceration. He created this company to better prepare people like yourself for the crisis you are facing. Let us help you take control during your incarceration phase. We specialize in consulting white-collar, drug, and sex offenders. Our staff of trained professionals will present you with options from various Bureau of Prisons programs on how to best navigate the system. We will also instruct you and your loved ones on what to expect during your incarceration. We want to educate you prior to and during custody to help alleviate your concerns, fears, and worries regarding imprisonment. This seems familiar. Right? It's like that Kevin Hart, Will Ferrell movie, Get Hard. That's what I was thinking It's of. a really problematic movie, by oh, the way. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that movie. They shoehorned some crap oh, into that one. Oh, wee. Oh, wee. Um, it was in 2015, that movie. So Sabo didn't rip that off. No, no. He's definitely pre-Get Hard. I mean, he basically was like, look, you know, yeah. get Sabo. Exactly. Now, on that same defunct website, he claims that Steven Spielberg approached him about using his life for the 2002 film Catch Me If You Can. Frank Abnegale's going to be a little pissed yeah, to hear that. Yeah, that's exactly it. And so, like Frank Abnegale, uh... Abignale? Yeah, I, I pronounced I don't it know. wrong. Abigail, yeah. Frank. I'm not. I'm not the best on Italian names because the G and the N I'm near each other. I'm horrible with just names. It, okay, fair My enough. My own often. <laughs> so Frank had a loose, uh, you know, relationship with the mm-hmm. truth. So did Michael Sabo. Um, Sabo said that he couldn't do the movie. He couldn't authorize the movie because um, he was wanted by law enforcement officials across the U.S. And so that's why he couldn't agree and sell the rights to his story. I think that only counts if you're actually in jail or well, prison. It's weird. You can't that's, benefit from the crime, right? That's exactly what I told Spielberg when he approached me <laughs> to use my life for his 2012 film, Lincoln. And I did the exact same thing when he approached me about E.T. Oh, my God. I was the little boy who found the alien. Wow. Yeah. And you had to tell him, look, I'm wanted. I can't yeah. tell you. Well, no, I actually, why I said, like, I can't tell you because I left the, the planet and I signed these legal documents yeah, with E.T.'s yeah. people. And then, you know. It's too much. You don't want to mess it's with those. It's too complicated. Interstellar lawyers are a nightmare. Yeah. And Spielberg gets that. He's a very compassionate man. Yeah, he is. So um, we know, we don't know where Michael Sabo is now. But we know where Steven Spielberg is. We do know where Spielberg uh, Let me check my find my friend. <laughs> so Sabo, who knows? Um, he's been to lots of places. He's been lots of people. But, uh, you know, who's to say? Oh, he literally is just gone. He's off the grid. Well, Nobody know. knows where he is. He I could be know. alive, could be dead. He could be in Texas, could be in Tunisia. What if I ripped off a face mask? And you're Michael Sabo. I happen to be wearing a pilot's outfit right uh, now. So exactly. I was wondering why you had all of your badges on yeah. you. What's your ridiculous takeaway here? Oh, man. Um, basically, 
I know this is going to be really petty, but if you are a con artist and you go to a new town, don't use your old identity. Like, just really commit to the bit and just keep it going. Because that seems to be a real place that he got caught is that he got a little greedy on the, like, I need to move these funds and me need to move these funds. If he would have waited a little bit, he could be just raking it in in crypto and NFTs. But no, oh, yeah. he had to go greedy the in the 90s. Wrong time to be greedy. Well, and he created a lot of links in the chain by jumping from, I mean, I understand that he had to use the defunct bank account checks to open, sure. but like, that just connected him from exactly. City. It, it literally became a paper trail. I, and by the way, you said he's he's still alive. We assume, or possibly, Who knows? But he, we don't know where he is. Uh-huh. I'd be willing to bet you he is definitely knee deep in some crypto right now. Oh, completely. Yeah. If he's if he's kicking it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's just a space made for this kind of stuff. Like, oh, as a, yeah. somebody who studied con artistry. <laughs> well, I thought about that a lot, too, is that he was really lucky to be doing this in the pre-internet age. Like, oh, completely. It allowed him a lot of stuff that you can't get away with now. Well, but yeah, I think he would have just upped his game and yeah. gotten away with new stuff. Yeah, exactly. That's true. I think the coolest guy here is Detective Martin Sixick. Oh, yeah. Dog with a bone, baby. <laughs> He uh, he later retired to Florida, and I was really happy for him with that. I am too. It's good place to it's fun for him. Good place to bury a bone. Exactly. That's it. That's all I have. It's, uh, you can find us uh, online. Did you know that, Zaren? At ridiculous. Oh, you're still Crime. talking to me. Of course, always. Um, we're on the Twitters <laughs> and the Gram at ridiculous crime. If you have a tip for us about a ridiculous crime, or you want to confess to one. You can email us at ridiculouscrime at gmail.com.net.biz. Tune in next time, friends. And neighbors, Romans, countrymen. We'll be here. Ridiculous Crime is hosted by Elizabeth Dutton and Zarin Burnett. Produced and edited by Dr. Dave Evans Anderson Miller Kusten. Research is by Dutch Krugerrand specialist Marissa Brown. The theme song is by local businessmen Thomas Lee and Travis Dutton. Executive producers are Special Agent Ben Bolin and Senior Detective Noel Brown. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. It was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily Podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.